Welcome everybody to the first episode of Out of My Mind Box, a podcast about musings on intuitive eating and mental health. And what we're going to be talking about today is the first principle of intuitive eating and a little bit about what intuitive eating is as well. My guest with me today is Xenia Ayotis, and she is joining us from The Art of Mindful Eating, is her company. She is a certified life coach, intuitive eating counselor, and mindful eating coach. And she'll be giving a bit of input today to the intuitive eating principles that we'll discuss. Uh, Xenia, would you like to introduce yourself a bit further? Hi, Anka. Thank you for inviting me. And hello to all the listeners. It's great to be here. Intuitive eating is something that has radically changed my life and really also the life of most of my clients. So it's something I enjoy talking about. It's, it really is life changing. Absolutely. And let's maybe start off with a basic definition of intuitive eating. I'm going to go with the one um, from intuitiveeating.org. Um, which is the original intuitive eating creators. That's Evelyn Tribal and Elise Resch. So intuitive eating is an evidence-based mind-body health approach comprised of 10 principles and created by the two dietitians, Evelyn Tribal and Elise Resch in 1995. It's a weight neutral model with a validated assessment scale and over 90 studies to date. It's thrilling to see the research and intuitive eating is a dynamic integration between mind and body. The principles work by either cultivating or removing obstacles to body awareness, a process known as interoceptive awareness. So essentially, intuitive eating is a personal process of honoring health by listening and responding to the direct messages of the body in order to meet your physical and psychological needs. Does that kind of cover it in a nutshell? <laughs> Yes, it does. Um, yeah, I just I think simply put, it's a non-diet approach that focuses initially on recovering from years of diet, dieting and restriction and learning how to stop dieting and then claiming, you know, it's an empowering process. It's really about learning to trust yourself and your body. Because, you know, most of the people who come to intuitive eating come to it because they've had years and years of dieting. And if they haven't been on a diet, they've created their own set of rules or they've been very restrictive eaters. And this is an approach that helps you break free from that. But it goes beyond that because, you know, if you look at all the principles, they all build on each other. And um, it's really a self-care model, um, you know, a way to look after yourself, body, mind, and spirit, really. Absolutely. And I'd say it's important to note what is not intuitive eating. It's not a diet or food plan. There is no passing or failing or falling off the wagon. It's exactly. a journey, as you say, of self-discovering and connection to the needs of, of your mind and body. There's nothing you need to count, nothing you need to track. Um, it's, it's merely about getting back in touch with your own intuition. Yeah. And I think the one thing that you said, Anka, is key. And that is that you can't fail at this approach. Mm. 
There's no failure. So people who come to this approach often think they're doing it wrong or they're failing, they're not getting it right. But that's just bringing in elements of diet mentality then because really you, you can't fail at this. There's just levels of awareness, levels of connection, and it takes time. It's not like dieting, which is linear. You start, you stop, you fall off the diet wagon, you start again. There's, mm -hmm. there's no wagon. Um, it's just, it's a process and it takes time and patience. That's definitely been my personal experience with it. Well, let's get right into it with the first principle out of the 10 principles of intuitive eating. And that is reject the diet mentality. So the principle is throw out the diet books and articles that offer you the false hope. Get angry at all the lies you've been told. If you allow any hope to linger on for a new or better diet plan, you won't feel free to rediscover intuitive eating. What have you got to say on that principle? Okay, so this is crucial. It's the essential first step where you need to be ready and ready to stop dieting and ready to reject diet culture, diet mentality. So when we talk about diet culture, um, diet culture is everywhere. Diet culture is the praise of thinness. It's praising people for eating less. Um, it's praising mm. people for looking a certain way. Um, it's praising you for being good in the way you um, in the way you eat. So, if you look at magazines, if you look at the media, even in the medical profession, you know there's this you thin equals healthy, which is not necessarily the case. But just to take a step back. You know, we've also got to look at the research. If you look at the research, it shows that 95% of people who go, and you know, it could be 93, it could be 97. So this is just, you know, a figure that we use. But 95% of people who go on diets put the weight back on again. And that weight comes back on very quickly. So anything from within a month to, well, I suppose at the longest it would be five years, but the thing is that the day, the weight does come back on again. So if you had never ever gone on a diet before, chances are that you're not going to have a dysfunctional relationship with food. And also the research shows that people who repeatedly go on diets or have dieted, um, dieting is a predictor of weight gain. So many of my clients come to me and they say, if only I was at the weight I was when I first went on a diet, because you know, what follows after dieting is years and years of repeatedly going on this yo-yo diet cycle. And what happens is, for most people, their set point just goes higher and higher and higher. And for the 5% of people who do keep the weight off, they keep it off through hypervigilance, through being really, really restrictive um, and strict with how they eat and what they eat. Basically, 
eating in a disordered way for the rest of their life. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm hesitant to use the word disordered because it could be dysfunctional. Yes. Okay. okay there are disordered eaters who come to intuitive eating, but you know, for the most part, you know, people who don't have um, eating disorders, it's more kind of on the spectrum. I would use maybe chaotic eating or dysfunctional eating. Yeah. So intuitive eating can, can definitely be used for anyone, whether they've had a, an, an eating disorder or whether they just have like a regular old yes, relationship. Yes, they can. Food. But um, for anorexia, uh, it is something that would come later. First, you need to be weight restored. Um, there's a whole different process to it. You wouldn't be able to use it at the early stages of an eating disorder. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. It is quite a radical approach. I mean, if like most of our listeners might say, I'm not ready to let go of weight loss. I still hold on to that idea of being perfectly looking perfect and having the perfect body. If you're not ready to let go of weight loss, can you put it on the back burner? Like, can you acknowledge that the desire is there, but just that not act upon it as a first step? Yes. So, and that really is, you know, the first step is, I think to some degree, you will always, our culture is so wired um, that there will always be, you, you know, this desire to be in a smaller body. So it's about noticing that, noticing where that comes from, that it comes from diet culture and it comes from this culture that kind of praises smaller bodies. And understanding that and understanding this desire to be thinner, but yes, get to a point where I see that um, I still want to lose weight, but I also want to make peace with food and follow the intuitive eating principles and in that case you know acknowledge it put focusing on weight loss on pause on the back burner and see the desire see the urge to want to do it but just don't act on it because you know i think the, the main thing here is to really if you do have a history of dieting if you do have a history of restriction because some people don't actually follow diets uh, there are those who have are chronic dieters and have been on every single diet imaginable. And then there are people who just eat very carefully or eat with a lot of restrictions and follow their own made up rules. So, you know, there are two categories of restriction, I would say, the dieters and the restrictive eaters. And so the thing here is to really forget about the rules and let them go or work with your rules because mm -hmm. the rules and the restriction and the dieting approach is what keeps us stuck. But rejecting diet, um, rejecting diet mentality doesn't just happen suddenly. It takes time. Mm -hmm. So you start off by saying, okay, I don't want to go on another diet again. I'm going to throw away my diet books. Diets just give you false hope but they're very tempting. It's like, 
I can't tell you how many times I've heard, just one more diet and I'll come to intuitive eating. I just want to lose the weight and then I'll come and follow the principles. I see it. So it, you can sort of go between the two. Want to do intuitive eating, get pulled back into it because, you know, diets come with this promise. All you need to do is follow the diet, follow the rules, eat what, you know, diets provide structure. And so sometimes it's very hard to let go of that and be kind of like out at sea with no navigation system, which is sometimes what for many people intuitive eating feels like. Yes. And also, um, I mean, you can think of it in terms of baby steps as well. What dieting components can you let go of today? No more weigh-ins, maybe not counting calories. There's small bits of things that you yes. can do along the way that get you towards that. I mean, exactly. for example, I started reporting weight loss ads on Facebook and Instagram as offensive. Um, that was my, my little <laughs> rebellion <laughs> moment of rejecting the diet <laughs> mentality. And um, I, I just found, I, I realized how much social media was coming through my feed that was yes. centered around weight loss and changing your body and um, yeah. just just all all centered around weight loss and nothing to do with getting you well with your relationship with food um so yeah that's that's one of the things that i did yeah and i think it's also important to explore your own diet history like what yes. plans were exactly. you on before mm. like i had uh, i i went to weigh less the, the the weight loss uh program where you weigh and measure all your food um but I've done all sorts of things in the name of weight loss, such as joining running clubs and things like that as well, where I, the only reason I was doing it was to lose weight. So eventually I dropped it. So, yeah. Yes. A lot of well, I think, well. you know, the where I start with clients is I give them worksheets and I ask them to do like a diet timeline. When did they first go on? The, when did they go on their first diet you know, with the intention of losing weight mm -hmm. and what followed. And I mean, in my case, I was on and off a diet for almost 30 years, um, ranging from weightless to Weight Watchers to extreme pills and injections. You name it, I did it in the name of, in the name of weight loss. But if you go back and you look at all the diets you've done and you see what was the result. Okay, I started there. Lost the weight within two years, I gained it. Let me look at that one. Oh, look what happened there. And you will see a pattern. You will mm. see that for every diet, there is its weight gain. So not it's just not that. sustainable. Not just that, but what, what has that dieting cost you in terms exactly. of social life, relationships, yes. Eat, yes. food preoccupation, money? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you've got to look at all of that. So you look at your diet history. And you look at the effects of that, like what are the physical symptoms? Physical symptoms are typically weight gain, blunted metabolism, disconnection from your body, body cues, hunger, fullness, and then weight cycling, gaining, losing the same weight over and over, which by the way, is far worse for you than maintaining a higher weight. But then there are social symptoms of dieting, like not going to social events and saying no because you're terrified of the food that's going to be available there. Dreading holidays, dreading, you know, Christmas or religious festivals. Mm. 
eating differently in front of people, you know, being a perfect eater in front of people, binging when you get back home, worrying about people seeing you eat like, oh, oh gosh, I'm in a larger body. I'm not going to eat cake. I don't want people to see me eating cake. Um, you know, that whole association, I can't tell you how much I hear that. And then going, maybe if you do go and eat out, you kind of look at what the other person's eating, check in, what am I eating? So you compare what you eat constantly. So that's on the social side. On the psychological side, diet mentality lets you believe that you're a failure. It's me that's the problem. I don't have willpower. I don't have control. I don't stick to anything. But it's not the dieter who has the problem. It's the dieting approach that is the problem. Diets have failed us. Yet we internalize it and believe that we're the failures. And that's the tragedy of all of this. If dieting was a pill, the medical council would not allow it based on mm -hmm. its failure rate or success rate. But if you think psychologically, what happens to us, it's that all or nothing thinking, either being on a diet or off a diet, all that guilt and shame that comes with um, not being able to stick to it or suddenly eating a forbidden food also the the moral value that's associated yes. to following that clean diet or, yes, or eating the exactly. healthy way yeah mm. it's it's yeah. like you're not you're not being a proper good human being if you yes. don't eat in a perfect certain way <laughs> exactly and also this constant preoccupation with food going to bed at night doing an audit what did i eat today okay tomorrow i'm going to be good and then it, this food, food just occupies so much noise in your head. And then mm. like the other symptom of it would be behavioral. Like if you eat a forbidden food, then you end up binge eating on it because, well, now you've blown something. Um, mm. There's a link between emotional eating and dieting. People who have never dieted are less likely to eat emotionally. Um, and that's because of the whole deprivation factor. Um, you know, and then when you break a rule, you end up eating more. So there are all these consequences of dieting. But some of the tools of dieting that you could let go of would be measuring foods, counting calories, fats, points, or just saying, oh, I'm going to avoid carbs, sugar, fat, you know, that kind of thing. Breaking the scale. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I personally witnessed my, my mother throwing the scale into the swimming pool one time. That was the, one of the most dramatic getting rid of the scale moments. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't make it out of there alive. <laughs> yeah, I must say one of my best experiences in um, where you spoke about how it can affect your social life is I, I would put a moral value on what am I ordering at the restaurant because is it the thing that I should be ordering? Yes. And when that was gone, it was like this whole new world opened up to me of I can enjoy food again. And yeah. that's to me has been the real value and, and magic. I mean, now I can use food for comfort without feeling guilty about it. So this Absolutely. is my comfort coffee. I brought this coffee <laughs> because I was feeling anxious about, Zoom. you know, you got Zoom meetings coming up and every now and then you get a bit of butterflies before a Zoom meeting. And I just thought, let me just make myself a coffee. I've barely taken a sip of it, but <laughs> it's here comforting me. <laughs> I have my comforting hot lemon water. Uh -huh. um, also yeah. Good. 
And, you know, I mean, we will eventually get to talk about emotional eating, but, you know, it gets a bad rap because actually eating is emotional. Eating is about connection. It is about celebration, about love. Think about it. When we're babies and we mm. cry, the first thing our moms do is offer us milk. Mm. You know, they don't it's all about, it's the about it's about survival. It's, yes. it's the essence of life at that stage. Yes. yes. So that connection between food and soothing is made at a very, very young age. But just to come back to those tools of dieting that you can let go of, language is a big one. So, you know, letting go of words like good and bad and judging food and saying oh i'm good for eating this and bad for eating that and or judging things as fattening or even healthy or decadent or saying i'm naughty for eating this you know mm. getting just trying to see food as neutral that takes work mm. but also and, and stop like, stop commenting on people's weight stop telling yes. people wow mm. you look so great because you lost weight <laughs> just say you look great <laughs> Or don't even comment on people's appearance. Why? Like, I cannot tell you how dangerous it is to praise weight loss because you just don't know how that person has lost that weight. I mm. think the best thing is just not to comment on people's bodies. Um, I, have so, I remember this from my dieting days, and I see this with my clients, is, you know, you've gone on a diet, and you've lost weight and you go and buy a new wardrobe and you go out and you're feeling more confidence and then confident and then inevitably what happens because it always happens is that you gain the weight back again and very often more and then you want to hide and you don't want to go out and you don't want to interact socially you don't want people to see you because you're terrified of their judgment and they're going to say oh she let herself go and, and look how she's gained the weight and what's the matter and that is so sad. And that's really the counter to the praise. Because for every praise and compliment around weight loss, there's the judgment. Mm, definitely. Well, I think we've covered the reject the diet mentality principle <laughs> to its fullest. Have you got something that you wanted to still share on the screen with regards to this principle? Um, yeah, I want you to say that, you know, with this principle, you really do need to be patient with yourself. It's about getting out of the mindset, which takes time. So you've got to set the intention that slowly with time, with patience, you're going to change this. And it's kind of constantly coming back to it. Um, so what I was going to share with you, uh, let me just go there into sorry i just need to do this um, i'm not i use zoom a lot but i'm not very technical oh, um, if you share can you can you see your buttons at the bottom yes, where it yes, says chat yes, yeah, no, so share screen button when you click yeah. it once it, it pops up a window and it asks you which screen you want to share if you've got multiple ones so you just have to so click I'm on the right one share screen I've got this one here. Share. Why is it not? Uh, oh, there we go. Share. Okay. So what cool. I wanted to share is this struggle of the yo-yo diet cycle and what it looks like. So 
what happens even before you start a diet or restrict food, it's normally triggered by body dissatisfaction. And then what happens is you start a diet or restrict food. And so you go along and it's fine. But then eventually what happens is feelings of deprivation because inevitably you're going to have, you know, foods that are not allowed. And then this obsession with food develops. And then you start getting urges and cravings. Now, a lot of cravings come because you're not allowed to have it. And the more you say you can't have something, the more you want it. What that then leads to is overeating, binge eating, or constant eating. And that's typically unrestricted foods. And that then leads to feelings of failure, guilt, shame, regret. That can trigger more eating to numb those feelings. Then there's this fear of gaining weight. Feel that leads to feeling bad about yourself, feeling bad about your body. And then that then triggers the next diet. And this cycle mm -hmm. just goes round and round unless until the moment that you've hit diet bottom and you're ready to stop it. And that's oh, when... I'm <laughs> so glad I, I hit that a few years ago. I've been on this journey for about two and a half, three years. And it's just been such a great experience to get out of that cycle and break it. You know, it, it's been yeah. challenging, but um, very rewarding. Definitely. It's very liberating. You know, in my early 20s, a friend of mine, you know, I'd been dieting from the age of 11. And so it was in my early 20s, a friend of mine told me about this dietitian, kind of psychologist, and I kind of well, couldn't wait to go and see her. I made an appointment to see her, and I thought she was going to be the answer to, to all my problems. Anyway, I got there, met her. And then she said to me, Senia, you know, all you need to do is just eat when you're hungry and stop when you've had enough. And like, this was a foreign concept to me. I thought, what the hell is this woman talking about? Is she mad? So I was like so deflated. And like, I thought, I thought no, where's the plan? I'm waiting for the plan. And that's magically going to change everything for me. And I was like, yeah, well, eat what you want. Eat when you're hungry and stop when you've had enough. And I just thought, no way and you know i feel i kind of regret that i never listened to her then but i i wasn't ready i had to mm. kind of go on many more diets um for probably another <clears throat> just over 15 years before i was ready to listen and then when i did listen um even then you know intuitive eating in the beginning when they wrote the book in the 90s it's very different to now in the 90s, mm. it was get to your natural weight. So there was still yeah. a weight focus with it. Now, in the third edition and the latest, now the fourth edition, it's been taken away because Evelyn and Elise saw that focusing on weight loss was not helping people um, make peace with food and that the principles were just taken and turned into another set of rules. Yeah. So that's an important thing. So just a little bit about, and uh, just to end off, um, reject the diet mentality. Um, I want to share this, you know, the dieting mindset versus kind of intuitive eating. So dieting is about willpower. Intuitive eating is about awareness. Mm -hmm. When we're dieting, we're focusing on calories, fat grams, charts, weighing. You know, intuitive eating is about this inner wisdom. Dieting is about rules. 
um, and weight loss. Intuitive eating is about well-being. And instead of rules, it's about values and skillful attention. Um, dieting is rigid. Intuitive eating is flexible. Um, it's about choice. Um, dieting is about deprivation. Intuitive eating is about freedom. Dieting is about comparing. Intuitive eating is about observing. Dieting is about forbidden foods, whereas this approach is about pleasure and nourishment and joy with food. Uh, dieting is about denial. Intuitive eating is about permission. Dieting is all or nothing, judgment, food police. Intuitive eating is about the middle way, bringing an attitude of curiosity, and really it's about respect and self-compassion. So it's a way more sustainable approach to food um, in the long term. Mm. Yes. Okay, so, so yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for taking us through that. And thanks everyone for joining us today on Rejecting the Diet Mentality. We will be back in our next episode uh, with the second principle, which is honor your hunger. So look forward to that. Thank you very much.